Hey guys, it's time for Nina's Got Good News. Nina's a former TV news gal who used to share all the news. Now, as a mom and small businesswoman, she wants to share only the good stuff. It's time to brighten your day. So here's your host, Nina B. Clark. Hey everyone, how are you? This is Nina B. Clark, your host of Nina's Got Good News. I am so excited that we're back. We are back after a little bit of a break. Sorry about that, but I am back. Better than ever, as they say, but we're back with a brand new episode. Thank you all for showing up. Thank you for being here as always. I appreciate you guys so much. I hope everyone is feeling excited about the holiday season. Tis the season, right? I might still have some pumpkins out on my porch, but I promise very soon we are going to get our Christmas tree. We just had a wonderful Thanksgiving break. I hope you guys all did the same. I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. We enjoyed some time away. And we also really loved having our son, Charlie, back with us from school over the break. It was so nice to be together. This time of year, we like to think about all that we have to be grateful for. So that is where I want to say to you guys how grateful I am for you guys listening to Nina's Got Good News because without all of you, there would be no podcast community. So thank you all so much for showing up, supporting this podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, download all the episodes, and don't forget, share this episode with a friend. I really appreciate it. I also like to focus on health and wellness this time of year. It's so important that we all think about our health. And today's episode is proudly brought to you by one of my favorite brands for health and wellness, Mary Ruth Organics. Mary Ruth herself is such an important resource. She is my go-to for all things health and wellness. As you guys know, I just adore her so much and I look to her for guidance all the time. Mary Ruth Organics is the only brand of vitamins and supplements that we use in our house. So be sure to check out all of their products for the entire family. They have so many great options for everyone in your family to help boost your immunity and stay healthy, especially this time of year. That's so important. If you go to maryroosorganics.com and use my promo code good news, you will save money at checkout. Again, maryroosorganics.com and use my promo code good news to save money on your order. And of course, that's always good news because we all like to save money right now. All that information, by the way, the website, the promo code, That's all going to be below in the show notes of this episode as well. So if you miss that, you can always refer to the show notes at the bottom of this episode. So on to podcast number 111. Oh my gosh. I love that number, by the way, 111, 111. I think it's a great number. So welcome to podcast 111. If you need a good pep talk when it comes to good energy, or you need a boost of confidence, or you need some entrepreneurial advice or you just need an extra shot of motivation as we close out Q4 here, then this episode is going to be for you. You guys are going to love this episode. Lydia Finette is one of the world's leading charity auctioneers who has taken the stage in front of thousands and thousands of people during the past two decades. She's amazing. She has mastered the art of public speaking, and she has broken down so many barriers for women in the auction industry. Lydia Finette spent 24 years at Christie's Auction House, and she now owns her own boutique charity auctioneer agency, which trains and places quality auctioneers with charity auctions all across the country. She is now a founder and CEO of the Lydia Finette Agency. Congratulations to Lydia. She's also a best-selling author, 
She has not just written one successful book, but she's had two bestsellers. So impressive. Her latest book, her second book is called Claim Your Confidence, and it's an excellent read. We are going to be talking so much today about our confidence. She's also a mom of three kids. She's a fellow podcast host. Yes, she is very busy, but because she loves everything she is doing, it is all contagious. I think it's so great when you meet people that love what they're doing because they're just so happy. I recently met Lydia at the New England Coastal Creative Business Conference here in Connecticut. It took place a couple months ago in Greenwich, Connecticut, and I immediately loved Lydia's positive attitude and good energy, and I know you guys are all going to love her and all of her good advice as well. Here is my recent conversation with Lydia Finette. And Lydia Finette joins me now from New York City. Happy holidays, Lydia. How are you? How are you doing? I'm well. Thank you so much for having me. And we were just laughing about the fact that we feel like we're being shot out of a cannon post Thanksgiving. So Monday morning, here we go, guys. Here we go. We got to roll on, right? No rest for the hustlers over here. I love it. So Lydia, I get this question a lot and I thought, you know what? I'm going to ask Lydia because I feel like we are similar in our like good energy in the good energy department. And right now there's just so much going on, right? There's a lot going on in the world. There are many days where the world feels really heavy. And I just wonder like, how do you stay so upbeat and so positive and so motivated when there is just so much going on in the world? Because people ask me that all the time. They're like, you're always seem so positive, even when things aren't necessarily positive in the world. So how do you stay like that? I really try to focus on the things that I can control. Because at the end of the day, I can't control everything going on in the world, but I can control my environment and the things that I'm exposing myself to. And I can also control the things that I can actually change. And so I truly believe sometimes that we spend so much time looking at our phones, watching the news, consuming every piece of information that's coming out of every single place that's meant to keep us glued to those things. And sometimes it's best to just turn it off and walk away. You know, if you find you're in a negative cycle or a negative spiral, just take a minute and turn off your phone, get away from any kind of newspaper or any kind of media outlet, and just surround yourself with what is happening in your life at that moment. And think about the things that you have that you can be grateful for. Because with everything going on in the world, if you look inward at the things that are taking place in your own life, I promise you, it's probably a lot better for you right now than it is for a lot of people. So start there, you know, really center yourself because once you're centered, you can bring that positivity to other people. Yeah. I think that's so important. I always talk about how the content you consume shapes you. And it even starts with like putting you in a good, good mood or a bad mood. So it's so important to sort of edit the content that you're consuming and how much you're consuming. So I love that advice. It's so good, Lydia. So thanks for sharing that. So Lydia, your first book was called The Most Powerful Woman in the Room is You. It was a bestseller. Congratulations on that big success with your very first book. So why do you think that first book resonated with so many readers? I think the title captured a lot of people's imagination. I had one woman say to me, I saw your hot pink book called The Most Powerful Woman in the Room is You across the aisle at Target. And I felt like I could not stop walking towards it. And I also want to say, you know, the term bestseller is a very large umbrella. And I hate the constant belief that people think that everything just happens to people over the course of their lives. And they've been born under a lucky star. My book is a bestseller because I have literally pushed that book 
all over the world. I will go to anything. I will speak at anything because I'm the only person who can sell my book. So the book is a result of hard work and it is not something that just happened. I did not just happen to write a bestseller. It certainly was not a bestseller when it first came out, but I've continued to push and talk and really give these messages that I truly believe in to many people. And that's why it has become that. So I always want to tell people, if you want to write a book, write the book and understand that nobody will sell that book the way that you will sell that book. So um, I just also feel like people love the idea of being the most powerful woman in the room and they really respond to that. And that's why the book has legs and has continued to sell well five years later. And your latest book I've been devouring, Claim Your Confidence. It's so good. It actually is speaking to me in so many ways. So what made you want to write this second book, Claim Your Confidence? Because I think as an author, you write to the white space. You know, I wrote The Most Powerful Woman in the Room as You because every time I got off stage as a charity auctioneer, there was a woman standing next to stage telling me how she was not good at selling. And to me, if I heard that time and time again, it meant that there was a need for something to address that question. And I realized that I had learned how to sell being on stage night after night. I wasn't a wonderful salesperson growing up. It wasn't something I enjoyed doing. It was something I learned. And if you learn, you can teach other people. And when I was on book tour for The Most Powerful Woman in the Room is You, I kept hearing questions about confidence. And so if you look through the chapters in Claim Your Confidence, I talk about imposter syndrome. I talk about powering your positivity. Those were directly written towards questions that I was seeing time and time again. You know, if you're ever interested in understanding what people want to hear about from you, write down what you're asked because those questions typically are the same ones that you're getting time and time again. And as someone who's an author, that's what you're writing to. And so I started writing my third book and I'm already doing that. Every Q and A that I have after a speech, I write down the questions and I'm like, is there enough to write a chapter on that? Is that part of a chapter? But how can I help answer that question, which is obviously something that people want to hear about from me? Yeah, that's so good. But that also goes to show that you're a good listener too, because you're listening to what people are asking you and you're actually, you know, abs absorbing that and taking it, taking, taking that and running with it. It's so good. One of the things in the book that I really loved was that you talk about how confidence doesn't mean perfect. And I thought that was so good to sort of expand on. So tell us more about that thought. Yeah, it kind of goes back to what I said about the most powerful woman in the room is you. You know, I started out claim your confidence by writing a chapter about how I was on the top of the world on my first book tour from the most powerful woman in the room is you. I'd spent two weeks in New York where I've lived for over two decades and every single event was packed and sold out. And I went on the Today Show and on and on and on. And I went out to San Francisco expecting the same thing. And I showed up for my book tour, first book signing. And there was one person who was there. It was supposed to be a talk for 50 people. And I tell that story because I think we're afraid to tell those stories sometimes because we think it diminishes us. But I think personally, what I've seen is the more I share the failures, the more I share the things that aren't quite so shiny, the more I can actually relate to people because that's the truth. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter how big or successful you are, there's still the things that happen along the way. There's still dings and chinks in the armor, but it's how you respond to them that ultimately makes you more confident. And I believe that it makes you claim your confidence because you're like, listen, I've been through 20 bad things and I made it through and I'm still alive and I'm still breathing. So why not try for 21 or 25 or 30? Now uh, you mentioned earlier, and I loved, I loved your, when I met you the, for, for the first time in Greenwich, Connecticut, when you came to do a, a speech 
you were so excellent. And you talked so much about imposter syndrome, which you mentioned earlier. So really to me, imposter syndrome is just, you know, we're similar in age. I'm a little older than you, but imposter syndrome to me is just like insecurity. It's just now has this like fancy term. So whether it's imposter syndrome or insecurity, whatever it is that you want to call it, you talk so much about that. And it's something that we all struggle with. You, you know, you even admitted that you struggle with it as well. We all do, even though you are so confident, Lydia, and I love that about you, but we're real, right? We're real women and we suffer from it too. So how do we best overcome that? Because you have so many good tips about overcoming that insecurity or that fancy word, imposter syndrome. You know, it is such a fancy word. It's such a beautiful title for something that we all feel. It's very common. So I use an acronym in my book called the SLAM because I'm an auctioneer. And so I always have a gavel and the SLAM for me can be summed up pretty quickly in four letters. So the first is S stop. So stop counting yourself out before you even have a chance to get in the room. One of the things that I find people doing is using language about themselves to describe reasons why they shouldn't do things. And I remember saying when I spoke in Greenwich, you know, people believe you when you tell them who you are and what you're good at and what you're not good at. So if you're leading every conversation with like, oh, well, I could never do that because I'm not good at X, people will listen to that. And the next time they think about you, they will think about that. So instead of putting those words in their mouth, think about things that you are good at that you can put in people's mouth. And I said this about the most powerful woman in the room is you. When I wrote that the name of my book was the most powerful woman in the room is you, people expected me to be powerful. And I'll be honest, I didn't really feel like that in 2019 and 2018 when I was writing the book. But as I wrote the book and as I had to tell more people that the name of the book was the most powerful woman in the room is you, I stepped into those shoes. And so any conference about power women or any conference where there was a conference about power women where I wasn't invited, people would always say to me first, oh, I'm so glad to see you. Of course you were there, powerful women. That's where you are. That's your sphere. That's where you operate. And then on the flip side, there was a conference about powerful women and you were not there, question mark, question mark. And I realized that I had created this reality about the fact that I am a powerful woman and therefore people listened to me for that and led and listened to what I said because of that. So that's the S. The L is for listen, listen to what people say. And if you are gonna create a narrative, make it a positive one. So you'll notice positivity is a theme here. I believe we create that positivity. So the next time somebody says something that you immediately think is negative, what if you do the opposite and finish that sentence with something positive? So I talk a lot about my maternity leaves, going to work and having a male colleague of mine say something like, it's really nice to see you back here after I'd come back on my third maternity leave after having three children in four years. And I remember thinking, oh my God, he means that because he doesn't think I'm here. You know, and I went into this negative spiral. The guy was a friend of mine. He wasn't saying anything to be negative. He was literally just saying, it's nice to see he you He was back. just happy to see you. Yeah. He was like, hey, Lydia's back. Like, we know we'll have a joke a minute. You know, there's a lot of, lot of content coming about like kids' diapers, I'm sure. And so what I say is like, if I listen to the words that he said, it's nice to see you back here. Maybe I finish off the story by saying something like, ah, no spit up on my clothes three babies alive at home. I am killing it. How lucky they are to have me here. Like change the story that you're telling about your own life and change the victim versus heroine. You know, I'm always the heroine in my story. Like half my family's like, that's not how it happened. I'm like, that's how I remember it. And that's the important thing. So listen to what people are saying and use a positive spin. 
Accept is the A, accept that there are no gold stars in life, meaning you should not be looking to other people to reward you for living the life you want to live. You need to learn to give yourself those gold stars and accept that nobody will do that for you. When you're looking at other people and asking them if you're doing what you should be doing in your life, you're giving away control. You're giving away the opportunity to claim your confidence. So accept that they there are no gold stars in lives except the ones that you give yourself. And then M is make your point and don't back down. So make that point, make it clear, make it concise. And if you truly believe in it, do not let people dissuade you of that notion. Slam. Yeah, so find your voice there. That's so good. So Lydia, as one of the world's, you know, leading auctioneers, I love that you have that, you have that job and that title. It's so cool. You get up on stage all the time in front of tons of people and not every crowd is, you know, rainbows and unicorns. So let's talk a little bit about public speaking, because I feel like you have so many tips for any of us you know, whether it's just walking into a room of two people or walking into a room of 200 people. Some of us have fears of, you know, talking in front of others. Um, Public speaking is definitely a challenge for so many people out there. So what are your top tips when we're all faced with getting up in front of other people and having to use our voice? What should we do? I know they say that public speaking is the thing that people fear more than death. That's the only thing people fear more than death, which is- wow. That's powerful. You know, when you really think about it. Um, and so what I like to say with public speaking is remember the the most important thing about being a good public speaker is that you bring the energy you want from the room. So when you walk out onto a stage, when you stand up to give a presentation, remember that the energy that you are giving to the audience is what you will get back from them. If you get up there and you're hunched over and you're all closed up and your arms are there and you're sort of like shaking with fear, the audience will respond to that by going to sleep. Like, very quickly. People can sense a bad public speaker, but they can also sense somebody who's uncomfortable on stage. So one of the first things to really try to think about, which I know is really difficult if if public speaking scares you, is to think about really relaxing on that stage. Thinking about the fact that like when you walk up on that stage, like your shoulders want to be down. You want to have a smile on your face. You want to be radiating energy and fun, like you're Vanna White walking out on Prices Right. Like Vanna was ready to go for the minute she walked out there. Pat Sajak was ready to go. Like that is what you want to look like when you walk on stage because everyone in the audience will respond to that. They'll be like, oh, okay, this person's ready for this. Like I'm ready for this. I'm ready to be here. And I know that because as an auctioneer, I get on stage at 11 o'clock at night, sometimes nine o'clock, 10 o'clock. People have been eating. They've been listening. They've been talking. They've been listening to other people speak. So they've been drinking. They've been hopefully drinking a lot. Um, but I have to really bring that energy out there if I expect that from them at that point in the evening. So that's number one. I talk in my first book about the strike method, which for me is my gavel. And this really comes back to preparation. You want to go out on that stage with something, whether it be a mantra, whether it be something you're carrying with you, whether it be something as easy as putting your hands on other either side of your speech when you put it down to sort of center yourself. That for you is your moment to ground yourself. For me, every time I walk out on stage, I have a gavel and I slam it down three times. And the minute I slam it down, I know exactly what I'm going to say next. And that's really what the strike method is. So find that centering force for you, whether, as I said, it could be a mantra that as you're walking, you're like, I've got this, I've got this in your head. I've got this. It could be putting your hands down on either either side of a speech. If you're on a Zoom call, it could be tapping the bottom of the table three times as if to say, here we go. Whatever it is, it needs to be something that makes you feel strong and ready. 
and then line up your next sentence right afterwards. So whatever you're going to say next is already in your brain. You've practiced it a hundred times because if you've ever given a presentation or any kind of public speaking, you know that the minute you start speaking, the nerves start to dissipate. The nerves that you feel are like a car crash. It's coming into that brick wall and that starts the minute you get on stage, but then everything else relaxes. And at the end of a speech, you're never as nervous as you are when you start. So what you really want to do is get through those first words. You want to get them out of your mouth and then you want to get into the rest of your presentation or your speech. Because at that point, if you brought that energy and you've got the strike method lined up, you're going to walk on stage feeling confident and then you're going to be halfway through before you even know what's going on. I remember the first time I ever went on TV when I was working at NBC News, the first time I had to do a live shot and one of the anchors gave me the best advice. She was like, smiling instantly relaxes you as the person who's about to speak. And then it also relaxes the viewers. Once they see that you're smiling and you're happy, then they're, like you said, they're going to feed off that energy. So I remember that I still think of her, you know, telling me about the smile and how important that smile is. So it's so good that you have that same advice. It's so important. So Lydia, we're both moms of girls. We're raising, we're both raising girls So I talk about this a lot with my daughter, but I'm just curious, since you have daughters too, how are you raising confident, strong girls? Like what's your best advice for other moms who have daughters or maybe just some daughters that might be listening now? Like, how are you like digging deep with them about being confident? Because I do feel like girls, especially when they're younger, you know, they, they tend to have some self self doubt. And it's just so important, I think, breathing that confidence into them, like constantly, you know, giving them that boost that they need. So what are your tips on that? Well, I think my parents were really good at just always making me feel like I should try anything and never holding me back because I was a girl, never using that language with me. You know, I grew up with, um, it's four children, boy, girl, boy, girl. So I like to say that it was like kind of a perfect case study. And my dad has always been very gregarious and unafraid to try things. And my mother has like amazing EQ. So as a result of that, I think we saw a lot of, of, fearlessness in our life. And as a result of there being four children, I think my parents were often like, yeah, we're all going to play soccer or we're all going to try this, or we're all going to do this together. And there was never a, you can't do this, Lydia, because you are a girl, or you may not try that because, you know, you might want to do like none of that existed. It was like, if I wanted to try something, I could do it just as well as the boys could. And sometimes they would even cheer me on more just because I think they knew that I wasn't going to be as fast because my brothers were just really fast and that's what it was, but it never stopped me from trying. And I think confidence comes from getting over the fear of failure. I think women all around every single day are told in a variety of different ways that there are things that they should not try. There are ways that they should act. There are things that they should look like or shouldn't look like, or all of these things that other people are saying. And so when you have your, the people who you trust the most, who hopefully are your parents or the caregiver in your life or whomever that might be at the end of the day, if that person's always saying like, Oh yeah, it didn't work out, but try again, try something else. If you didn't like it, try something else. Like it's always about just doing more and trying more and never being scared of what happens as a result of it. That makes you fearless and fearlessness in my opinion is what breeds confidence. I love also too, one of the things you talked about in your book is um, a message that your dad sort of hammered home a lot to you, which was never give up. And I feel like that kind of goes along with, you know, what you're saying about raising strong girls, right? Never give up. I think that's so good. Do you think that helps you also even to this day? 
say, never give up, never stop trying. It doesn't mean that you run yourself into a brick wall a hundred times. It means that you just don't stop trying if you really want something. You know, one of the other things that I've seen in my own life across my friend group is that there are some people who, if something doesn't work out once, it's like they've washed their hands of it and they're never going to try it again. And we were talking about this beforehand. There's also the other philosophy, which is you try things and if they don't work out, you just kind of shrug and it doesn't really matter. <laughs> and that's really the philosophy I've always taken in life. You know, I ran a global team for Christie's and I was in charge of partnerships. And I remember saying to everyone a million times, like, listen, sometimes there's going to be a round, round peg in a square hole. And like, just stop, just stop it right there. You don't need to worry about it. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Like, let's just try something else. And I think that being able to be given that grace as a young child of like, listen, this is not your thing. Like, we talk about sports a lot, like soccer's not your thing. Like who cares? Let's try something else. You know? Oh, you really enjoyed this. Great. Let's try that. Let's, let's go down. Oh, you don't like that anymore. Like whatever. Let's try something else. I don't think that we have to just grind our children into doing one thing because we think that's what is going to be good for them. You know, I think it's a lot about being like, Hey, if you don't want to do it, but you've tried, that's the important part. The trying is the important part. At the end of the day, it's not the end goal. You know, I write yeah. in my, I write in claim your confidence about playing on three sports teams for four years in middle school that never won a game. And so I like to say I'm the best loser that ever was. And I remember going from my small private school in Louisiana with a graduating class of 12 people that never won a game in four years. I went to boarding school in Connecticut. And all of a sudden I'm at this sort of like powerhouse sports place where a lot of the kids had grown up in the Northeast, where it was just like field hockey and lacrosse. These were sports I'd never even heard of, you know, and I was on the thirds team and like barely surviving on the thirds team. And I mean, I just came out with such enthusiasm. And I remember making varsity and lacrosse my junior year, which I definitely should not have made, but I think I just had so much enthusiasm for the sports. They're like, even if she's on the bench, she's a total value add. Like, yeah, because you had that good attitude. Totally. Like get out there and try. And if you don't win, mm -hmm. I remember, I do definitely remember someone throwing a stick after a game and being like eating an orange slice on the side being like, huh, that's a weird reaction. Like it just would never occur to me to be that upset. It was like, look, we tried our best. We got out yeah. there and gave it we cheered right. each other. And next time we might win or we might not, like at least yeah. we think we might. So might as well get out there and try. I love that you went to Taft, by the way. It's so, so fun <laughs> to connect on that since I went to Berkshire. So Thanks, fun. Yeah. And Lydia, there's, there's a lot of entrepreneurs who listen to this podcast and you talk so much about good advice that you have when it comes to sales, because I do feel like many of us have that fear of rejection and we don't necessarily love hearing the word no, even though I've always been taught in sales that you want to go for the no. But so what's your best advice when it comes to sales? Because I feel like at the end of the day, most of us are selling something. Even, even when I was on TV and doing the news, I was selling the story I was sharing with viewers. So it's the same concept. It's sales. So what's yeah. your best advice? I truly believe that the key to sales, and we covered this earlier on, is listening. A lot of times people will tell you everything you know and everything that you need to know about them in the first couple minutes of a conversation. So don't walk in selling your product, walk in looking for something to solve a problem that they have, right? So a lot of times you'll hear someone go into a sales pitch within the first minute. Well, the reason I'm here is because blah, 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 blah. Ask questions. Like we have a commonality in the fact that everybody went through a global pandemic. Life has been really different for a lot of people since then. How much do you know about that situation before you even 
embark on your sales journey. Because a lot of times, especially in these past couple of years, as we've been talking about, like the world is a little upside down right now. People may be impacted in ways that you cannot even imagine. And by simply asking that question, you might get a lot of intel that you had no idea about. I remember doing a sales pitch for a partnership with a large bank that we'd worked with for many, many years at Christie's. And they had a new chief marketing officer. And as a result of it, because of the earlier chief marketing officer, I'd come prepared with this beautiful proposal in my bag. And it was for a tour around Asia. We'd already done one with them. I figured it was a slam dunk. And there was also a new CEO at the company. And I sat down for the coffee and I said to the woman across the table from me, so I would love to hear a little bit more about you, your background and your new CEO, because obviously this is the first time that we've met and that we're going to have the opportunity to work together. She's like, well, I'll tell you one thing. Our new CEO does not care about art at all. And that right there was a red flag because I'm sitting on this massive tour with a huge price tag that's sitting in my bag. And I was like, oh my God. And she went on and on about how he was consumed with sports and sports were going to be the only thing that they are going to be paying attention to and sponsoring in the, com the coming years. And I remember that we had a baseball memorabilia sale coming up. So instead of taking that pitch out of my bag, I pitched the baseball memorabilia and we ended up having that sponsored by them. And I think that that's a perfect example of had I not asked the question, had I not listened to what she's saying, and I just pulled out this like massive tour proposal for a you know, massive sponsorship dollar, it would have been shut down in two seconds and the coffee would have been over in 20 minutes. Yeah. So listen to what people are telling you. And sometimes the sale has nothing to do with you. I know we take everything so personally. I think as women, we do it even more so. But also remember that circumstances have changed. You know, I remember a friend of mine who was, she has a clothing company and she was doing, you know, this sort of trunk show model and she was going out. She's like, I just find it so difficult. You know, when somebody comes in and they don't want to buy something, like you should ask more questions about why they're not buying. And I remember one time she came back and she's like, you know, I did a lot more listening at this trunk show. And a woman had come in and the woman had been a big buyer. She'd always bought off the internet. And apparently she had just put on a lot of weight during COVID. Mm. So she walked in and she immediately felt deflated. And my friend started talking to her about everything. And at the end, she bought her a pair of couple, she bought a couple of pairs of shoes and a little bit of jewelry. And she was like, and you know what? Like, if you want to buy something, we have stuff with different waist sizing. We have to think mm -hmm. like, you also don't want to buy that right now. Cause you think you want to go back to that weight. Great. And if this is the way you're going to be like, let's buy for this. And that became one of her biggest clients in the years that followed because of that. The woman was like, I used to go into places that made me feel so uncomfortable. Cause they'd be like, Oh, I could see that you spent all this money. Like, why aren't you spending money? And she's like, cause I don't feel comfortable in my own skin had nothing to do with my, what my friend was designing. It had to do with the woman and how she was feeling at that moment. So yeah. listen, 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 I know that sometimes you get those cues, right. And it's so good to be curious. I feel like curiosity is so important. So Lydia, you recently left your job at Christie's, which by the way, you were there for 20 something years and you decided to go off on your own and start the Lydia Finette agency. And by the way, congratulations, first of all, because that's amazing and it takes guts and it takes confidence. So what made you decide to go out on your own and how is it going so far for you? You know, it's been great. I can't complain. It's been such an amazing opportunity and journey. I had been with Christie's for 24 years and I loved every single year. I think we just kind of had come to a place where I'd done everything I was going to do in my job and partnerships. And the charity auctioneering is such a passion for me that it was really the only thing I wanted to do anymore. And 
I was an ambassador for Christie's for a year after I made the decision that I wasn't going to be working there anymore. And that was wonderful. It was so great to be with them. But I was also starting to see that I kept getting like pulled into a group of people because I worked for an auction house and I couldn't really take on a founder and CEO title while I was still working for an auction house. And I had this idea for an auctioneering agency to represent best in class charity auctioneers all over the world. Um, I've been a charity auctioneer for over 20 years. You know, I take pretty much every massive charity auction that there is to take. And I know what it takes to get on stage, to command a stage and to raise unbelievable amounts of money for a nonprofit. And I see so many nonprofits who call up the local weatherman. And I always say, I'm like, this is the only chance you have at your event to make money. So why on earth would you not put somebody who has been professionally trained and is a star in their own right on that stage? And that's really what I saw as a white space. And I've seen it for a long time. And it took me a long time to actually make that leap clearly. But, you know, I think the what I didn't expect was how quickly it would take off. I knew there was opportunity, but I launched in August and I already have 10 auctioneers working for me now. Um, I was actually just at a coffee this morning with an 11th auctioneer and it just doesn't seem that there's going to be any stopping this. You know, there are 1.5 million nonprofits in the U S and many of them have fundraising galas. And so my goal, which I think is not small, but I do think it's within reach is to have a Lydia Finette agency auctioneer on every single stage anywhere in the world at any given time to make sure that nonprofits are getting the money that they need to do the work that they want to do. Well, I'm sure you're going to do it because there's no stopping you. I love that. So if someone is listening right now and they want to start something, we, you know, it may not necessarily be their own agency, but if they want to start, you know, even something like a blog or launch a product or, you know, they have a book idea or a podcast idea, whatever it might be, what's your best advice for someone who has an idea and they want to start something? What's your best advice? Well, I have two pieces of advice. First of all, I would say, do it, just do it because there's no time like the present. There will never be a perfect time. There is no such thing. And one thing that I will always pass back is one of the greatest pieces of advice that Martha Stewart wrote in my first book, uh, success seldom comes in the form that you think it will. Just because you're starting something doesn't mean that that's what it might look like a year or two down the line. I think that with my agency all the time, I'm like, just because this is the idea that I had, it doesn't mean five years from now, it's going to look anything like that. And I think part of the fun is just moving into the white space, moving into what you see. So definitely just do it. I think the second piece of advice I would give you is monetary, because a lot of people have this idea that they need to jump ship from whatever they're doing. One of the things that has been really great about my career is that I built up a very long standing career at Christie's, which is a place that I absolutely loved. I was proud of the work that I did there. And while I was doing that, I wrote my first book. I wrote my second book and I was toying with the idea of a podcast. There were all of these other things that were starting as a result of that, but I still had my full-time job. And so I would say to you is make sure that if you don't have the money to take that leap, don't take that leap yet. Start it on the side. I use an analogy of a lifeboat on a boat. What you want to do is start your lifeboat, fill it up, you know, like blow it up with air. And then over time, the idea is that the lifeboat becomes bigger than the boat you're on. And you just walk up the gangplank to the other side. And hopefully it's a yacht, not just like another boat, it's a big old yacht. And I always say that to people. I'm like, it doesn't have to be either or test the water. It's okay to do that. I did that for a very long time. I wasn't comfortable taking the leap. I wasn't ready to make the leap. 
And then when I was ready, I was really ready and it felt right. And it did not feel scary. It felt really like, I mean, it felt a little scary, but it didn't feel like, oh God, I can't do this. It felt exciting and invigorating. So what, what would you tell you, what do you wish that you could go back and tell your younger self, your, the younger Lydia Finette, what would you like to tell her? Well, I would definitely tell her to stop getting involved in office politics because it's not going to serve anyone. So keep your mind, uh, keep your nose out of other people's business. That would be my first, that would be my first piece of advice for Lydia in her twenties. It's like, don't get so mixed up in everyone else's business. It's not that important. But I think to anyone out there, I would say, don't ever think that what other people say about you when you're not in the room should stop you from trying. I think we all fear, oh God, what are people going to think? People may see something, they may roll their eyes, like whatever. If you're living the life you want to live, who cares? Let them watch from afar. Let them judge you from afar. If you're doing what you want to do, it shouldn't matter. Have a great time. Don't worry about what other people think. Just do what you want to do. Because we all take, we all worry about what other people are thinking of us at all times. And it's, I guess the older I've gotten, luckily, since I turned 50, I started caring less and less about that. But it is such such good advice to remind everyone. So tell us a little bit about um, the first book. Your first book got picked up by Netflix. So what does that mean? What is that? What's that all about? What's happening with that? Give us the update on that. Well, The Most Powerful Woman in the Room is You was sold to Netflix in 2022, which basically meant that we had an offer from Netflix to purchase the book, um, which means that they can turn it into a script or a series or whatever they wanted. Luckily, because I wrote the book and you know, obviously no problem being on screen and pitching things, I got to be involved in the full pitch and the process of creating the scripts and everything like that. So that's been really fun. As you guys might know, there's been a writer's strike and a SAG strike for basically the better part of a year. So so we are just coming out of that. And so the scripts are going back to Netflix, but Kiernan Shipka is attached to, you know, I, I remember from being Sally Draper on Mad Men, but is now in her early twenties, which was the age I was when I started at Christie's, which is hard to believe, but you know, it's supposed to be fun. It's not a strict adaptation of my life. I don't think I'm frankly that exciting. <laughs> so it's all written to be very like Hollywoodized, and we'll see, you know, this is, we're just sort of gearing back up in the, the sort of LA entertainment world. So I had my first call with my producer, I think a week ago, and, and we're going to see where it goes now. Oh my God. Okay. I love that. We have to stay tuned. Okay. Well, tell us uh, in addition to the Netflix, and then you have your podcast and you're growing the Lydia Finette agency. What else is on the horizon for you? What's what's ahead? What's going on in 2024? What can we look ahead to when it comes to your world? And obviously your three beautiful kids and husband. Thank you for saying that. Um, yeah, I have a great, a great family for sure. So always blessed to have them supporting me and, and being part of this journey. So what I'm really excited about in January of 2024, I'm launching my first retreat. Um it's going to be in the Hamptons at Shusugiban House, which is an absolutely stunning five-star spa and hotel. And again, we were talking about this beforehand, but they'd approached me about putting together this retreat. And, you know, because they're a wellness facility, they will take care of all of the back end. But they asked me if I would be interested in creating content in a retreat to really get people excited about 2024. I'm not sure if this is something that you can relate to, Nina, but I know a lot of people 
come into 2024 thinking like, this is the year I'm going to make the change January 1st. And then by January 15th, they're like, oh God, I've already forgotten what my new year's resolution was. I have not done this. I haven't done this. And then it's almost like the sense of dread. So I intentionally planned it about three weeks out from the first of the year. So people have time to recover from the holidays and just to get get back to a place where they feel like they're ready to set intentions, not just for 2024, but really for their life, the goals that they're living, the things that they want to do. And I'm going to cover everything, everything I talk about in the books. We're going to do the fun parts of really teaching people how to be incredible public speakers, teaching them how to network, but more importantly, teaching them how to get in touch with their inner self and understanding what it is they want out of the life that they're living. You know, it's going to be small. I think all in, we'll probably only have between 20 and 25 people. We're going to do one-on-one sessions to roadmap out 2024 and the years that are coming after that. But I really want it to be a time for people to come and meet amazing people and learn a lot about the things that it will take for them to claim their confidence for the rest of their lives. Yeah, that's so cool. And this is the first retreat you've ever led, right? This is it. This is the oh first retirement. So, but it's you see trying new things. Things. And if you know me, this is really just what I love to do more than anything, which is just gather people who don't know yeah. one and dig in. Mm-hmm. And get I feel like you love people. I do love people. Mm-hmm. I do. People. You know, I have a podcast that started at the beginning of last year called Claim Your Confidence, where I interview women who are really at the top of their industry about what it took to get there. Because obviously I don't believe that confidence is something that you're born with. I think you learn it over time. And I wasn't really sure if podcasting was going to be something that I loved or something that just became kind of something that I did. And I absolutely love it. And I think to that point, I just love learning people's stories and I love giving advice where I can to help them along their journey. I just want to see everybody living the life that they want to live. I really yeah. do. Well, I love talking to you and to our mutual friend, Kate Shelter. Kate, we love you. Love and you, Lydia, I know she's the best. And Lydia, it was just so wonderful to meet you in person recently at that conference in Greenwich. And you really did, um, you know, leave all of us with so much goodness and we all felt like we could be the most powerful woman in the room. And we also felt more confident just by being with you. I don't know. I just feel like that good energy of, you know, getting the confidence going and all that was so helpful. So thank you so much. And tell us where we can follow along because I know like me, you love Instagram. So tell us where we can follow everything. I do love Instagram. I know it's such a guilty pleasure. I'm on Instagram all the time. And my name, Lydia Finette is the same name for everything. I think the most, probably the place where I am the most, if I'm not on Instagram is on my website, which is lydiafinette.com, which has information about both of my books, which we talked about and the podcast and the agency and the retreat. So pretty much anything that I'm doing goes onto that website so I can keep it all together. (laughs) Yeah. That's so awesome. I love that. And good luck with the retreat. That's so exciting. And what a great opportunity for people to basically be mentored by you. Right. 24. I know that's so cool. You can add that to the list of things that you're offering. I think that's so great. So congratulations. Thanks for sharing all your good news and all your good advice. And um, we can't wait to follow along to see all the goodness coming from you in 2024. So happy holidays, Merry Christmas, all the good stuff. And um, my son would be mad if he didn't let me rub it in your face that recently (laughs) Hotchkiss beat Taft on Taft Day. So sorry, Lydia. 
it's okay. As you know, I don't care about losing. So whatever. <laughs> Better luck next year. Time. Exactly. Better yeah, luck you'll next get time. them next time. Yeah. That one's for Charlie. So <laughs> anyway, thanks, Lydia. Good to see you. Let's keep in touch for sure. And thanks again. Thank you so much, Nina. Thank you for listening to my mom's podcast. Remember, you can find Nina's Got Good News on iTunes and Spotify, also on Google Play, Stitcher, and Outcast. And now we are also on Pandora. Please be sure to subscribe. Also rate and review all her podcasts too. And be sure to share it with a friend. The mission of this podcast is to get better together as a community in the audio space. Please follow my mom on Instagram. Her handle is Nina B. Clark. Don't forget, Clark has an E at the end of it. For now, I'm Blaine Clark. Thank you again for listening, and let's just keep being awesome. XOXO.